0: to the Ephesians in the fourth chapter beginning with verse 37 now this I say and declare in the Lord you are no longer to walk as the other Gentiles walk in the nonsense of their minds having been darkened in the understanding being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance existing in them Because of the hardness of their hearts. Who having ceased from feeling shame. Gave themselves over to immorality. For the practice of every impurity in greed for more. But you learned not the Christ in this way. If indeed you heard him. And were taught by him. Just as the truth is in jesus that you are to put off once and for all concerning the former way of life the old man the one being depraved according to the desires of the delusion and to be new again in the spirit of your mind to put on the new man and once having been created in conformity with god in righteousness in holiness of truth therefore having already put aside falsehood each one must speak the truth with his neighbor because we are members of one another be angry but you must not sin do not let the sun go down on your angry mood and you must not give place to the devil The one stealing must not steal any more, but rather let him labor, working the thing that is good with his hands, that he may have to share with one having need. Any word that is harmful must not proceed out of your mouth, but any word that is beneficial for edification of the need, then speak that it may give grace to the one hearing." and you must not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed unto the day of redemption. All bitterness and rage and anger and clamor and slander must be put away from you with every hatefulness, and you must be kind one to each other, tender-hearted, freely favoring each other as also god by christ favors you welcome to pilgrim's progress i'm ray greenlee pastor of the national prayer chapel today we're going to talk about this deep inner life that god is calling us to frankly most of us have walked in such shallowness with jesus because we have been so utterly filled with the world with its activities and its interests its recreation its entertainment its responsibilities and so we have come up with a McDonald's style Christianity where we can grab and growl as we drive through the line and go on our way as we eating whatever it is we've chosen that's not the life we've been called to in Jesus Christ Now it's interesting to me that back in the mid-1600s there was a desperate battle going on between Protestants and Catholics in Germany. According to history, some 12 million Germans died in that war. Whole villages were burned and pillaged. Fruit trees were cut down. Farms were destroyed. It was a time of of great bitterness and sorrow. And when Gerhard Turschen was born in the Rhine Valley, 1697, they were still suffering from this bitterness of Protestant against Catholic and Catholic against Protestant. It was a time of poverty. It was a time of a nation trying to recover from this horrific fight that had occurred. And pastors began to preach for primary doctrines these doctrines resulted in great revival moving through Germany it was a healing message It, it brought peace and reconciliation to the hearts of wounded and hurting people let me share with you once more these four key doctrines That were taught. The first doctrine was that of self renunciation, the complete giving up of self will to the will of God. This was going to the very bottom of the barrel, it was choosing to expose one's heart fully and completely to Jesus Christ. Now, I want to read what Gerhard said about this. He wrote, Our Lord Jesus was silent and kept himself concealed for 30 years in order that by his example he might inspire us with a fondness for a truly retired life. And scarcely did he spend four years in public manner I often think if we had been awakened and would endure only four years of probation in silent mortification and prayer before we showed ourselves publicly, our subsequent activity would be a little more pure, less injurious to the kingdom of God. This is a secret but common common temptation of the enemy and a subtle device of the flesh by which the tempter seeks to allure us from one thing needful and to weaken our strength by the multiplicity of the objects in which we are engaged. But the flesh, which finds a life of mortification too straightforward and too disagreeable, May breathe very easily and even maintain itself in every outward spiritual and apparently profitable exercise, whilst in the meantime the mystery of iniquity at the bottom remains unperceived and unmortified. I want to address this issue for a few moments. We come with a common human condition. Kaim Potok is one of my favorite authors. And he writes in his book, My Name is Asher Lev. He writes telling the story about a young Jewish boy from Brooklyn who becomes a painter And he said, I drew the way my father looked at a bird lying on its side. It was against the curb near our house. Is it dead, Papa? I was six and could not bring myself to look at it. Yes, I heard him say in a sad and and distant way. Why did it die? Everything that lives must die. Everything? Yes. You too, Papa and Mama? Yes. And me? Yes, he said, and then he added... In Yiddish, but may it be only after you live a long and good life, my Asher, I could not grasp it i I forced myself to look at the bird. Everything alive would one day be as still as that bird. Why I asked. So life would be precious, Asher. Something that is yours forever is never precious. We come together today on the common ground of the human condition. Now, we're not going to dwell there long because Jesus takes us to a new place, He gave our mortal, aging lives new meaning. You see, Jesus lost everything. He was nailed against a tree. He was robbed of his human dignity. He lived through our dying so that we can die and live again. So when we look at this human condition, It is largely made up of hiding, pretending. We really, most of us, have no clue what's at the very bottom of our hearts. It's too dark and we've never been there. And frankly, we don't want to go there. We want to think of ourselves as good people, respectable people, hard-working people, successful, enterprising. But the truth is, that's not what's at the bottom of the barrel. And when called to renounce self, it can be done quickly and obviously superficially. But then God in his grace, begins to allow the enemy to bring very painful things into our hearts and into our lives. Painful circumstances. And these squeezings, these pinchings of circumstances and the results of our own choices and our own decisions as we have not renounced ourselves bring us to a place of of trauma sorrow weeping because at the bottom of the barrel these things can only be gotten at with great pain when someone jostles against you what spills out of you is who you are when someone cheats you lies to you takes advantage of you treats you without respect treat you as though you are less than they are when someone steals from us our good name shames us all of these things are used by the holy spirit to unveil the reality of who we are deep within And most of us have a well of pain, things of the past that we've never dealt with and they finally can even become unconscious until something happens and then suddenly, like a flash, all of those painful memories come flooding back. So when I say to you that these men in the 1600s began to preach self-renunciation, they were not speaking about the casual act of saying, oh, I belong to Jesus and I love him and I've accepted him so I'm saved. I'm not talking about that kind of shallow nonsense, that kind of sentimentality. No, I'm talking about a deep inner Exposure of the depths of my heart where I choose to renounce me. I choose to no longer, as Paul puts it in Ephesians 4, to walk as the Gentiles walk in the nonsense of their mind having been darkened in their understanding, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance existing in them because of the hardness of their hearts. No, these hearts have to be broken, have to be pierced, and many will will die never really knowing the depths of their own heart's wickedness and will be excluded from heaven because they were never led to a complete self-renunciation, of a, a complete giving up of self to the will of God. The scriptures say, purify yourselves. Well, how do you purify yourself? By allowing God to expose the inner part of your heart. And by obeying what you do know that he wants you to do. As the Holy Spirit begins to prompt you, turn off that wickedness. As he begins to prompt you regarding... The wicked music, you turn it off. you don't continue to listen. If you continue to listen, you are not renouncing self, you are You are pleasing flesh. I recognize that this is a totally foreign concept to Americans. We've not renounced ourself in any manner, except perhaps for the benefit of our child or a loved one or for some greater advantage that we see that if i if i stop doing this then i'll have this greater good sometimes things can be so utterly painful that we think we're going to die And then when we figure out that we're not going to die, then we say, God, just let me die. I don't want to live anymore. It's too painful. Hurts too much. There have been times in my life where I have been utterly shamed. Some I deserved and some I did not deserve. There have been great disappointments in my life. Disappointments in family There have even been deaths in my family. I've lost my mother, and my father. I've lost uncles and aunts. And then cancer even took my precious wife. All of these painful experiences helped me to see myself a little bit better and shone a light in the dark recesses of my soul. The loss of a job. In my case, having a church bishop who turned against me. I look back on some of the most painful, physical, spiritual, psychological events of my life. And I recognize that in all of them I had to make a decision. Would I become bitter? Or would I turn to the sunshine and light of the Lord Jesus and allow him to burn with that fire in my soul and cleanse me? Self-renunciation that is seriously pursued means that we will turn off the media of the day. We will turn aside from the foolishness of the world and the nonsense of the Gentiles. It means we're going to stop joking and, and the shallowness of our wicked hearts. Now, that doesn't mean we're not going to laugh with joy. But it will be clean laughter, not scornful laughter, not laughter to escape, but laughter out of a heart of peace, having been cleansed by the fire of God. I hear pastors today say, let's get together and and let's pray for revival. I generally don't join with them when they pray because I know they're going to pray for the president and they're going to pray for the Congress and they're going to pray for everybody, but there will be no demonstration of self-renunciation. And frankly, until there is total and complete humbling of our hearts and total, complete self-renunciation... There's not going to be a revival in America, and America will be destroyed. I've been praying, O God. I give up my self-will to you. I've been hidden away for a long time, many, many years. I'm even hidden away on the radio. Very few people would know me in public. I'm hidden away. And out of this hidden place, come and speak to you about the deep things of the Spirit. I know that I must have finished in my soul the work of self-renunciation that began in 1600s and the late 1600s this work has to go forward in my heart and in America. It will not go forward by accident. It goes forward as men and women boys and girls get hungry for jesus and they stop feasting on all the things of sodom and gomorrah now there is another very distinctive doctrine that was taught in this day and that second doctrine was the continuous work of the holy spirit That is, there is a place with God that we have not even yet begun to touch. There is a place of intimate knowing of God. There is a place of God's presence coming with such power among his people. We've not even yet begun to imagine this in America. But they began to preach and teach in the 1600s that God's so jealous for you, he He loves you so much. He wants you so much that he's not going to stop pursuing you. He's going to come after you and come after you and come after you. And of course, as he comes after you, he is going to expose you. At the same time, he's going to love you. The God of heaven does not love with cheap sentimentality. He is a passionate God and he is a compassionate God. He loves you. With an everlasting love he loves you. And he is going to continually call you. And he is going to call you into the depths, he's going to call you into such crisis. He's going to call you into such financial crisis. He's going to call you into a health crisis. He's going to call you into whatever he knows will finally break open the depths of the wickedness of your heart that he could finally shine the brilliance of his fire into you and burn out that bitter darkness, that wickedness, that muck and mire. He wants to purify you. He wants to cleanse you. He wants to make you whole. That you could be healed and restored and loved. Transformed into his likeness. The third doctrine that was taught. was the absolute worthlessness of all religion based on fear or hope of reward. If you are going to church and you are following Jesus because you're afraid you're going to go to hell if you don't, your expression of the Christian faith, is worthless before God. If you are motivated because you want to go to heaven, you don't want to die in hell, you you desire very much the reward of heaven, then your, your religion has no standing before a holy God. Do you understand Jesus is enough in himself for your heart. He is the reward. It's like meeting a beautiful partner, a beautiful woman, in the case of a man. And he wants to marry this woman so he can go on a honeymoon He wants to marry this woman because she has something he wants. You would say that marriage really doesn't have much of a chance. And you'd be right. No, the only reason that a man would want to be with that precious woman it's because he loves her he wants her for herself for her sparkle for her her charm for her hard work for her partnership for her brightness for he wants her for her and not just one little piece he wants all of her he wants her because she is the treasure that his heart has been hungry for now they'll go on a honeymoon and they'll rejoice but the honeymoon is not the issue the issue is going together if you want heaven for heaven's sake you'll never get to heaven if you're afraid of hell and so you choose to go with Jesus You'll end up in hell. They taught this incredible doctrine that Jesus is enough in Himself. He alone satisfies the desire of your heart, He alone satisfies the hunger of your spirit. That He Himself is everything, Jesus is everything. And his people began to discover the wondrous truths of self-denial. The wondrous work of the Holy Spirit as he opened up intimacy with the Father and the Son that you never imagined possible and you began to see that Jesus was everything for your heart. And you didn't want anything else. You didn't want the current trends. You didn't want the television. You didn't want the football. You didn't want all of the entertainment of this world. In fact, it sickened you. You come to a place where worldliness makes you feel like vomiting. It is so utterly wicked and painful to even look upon. You turn aside because the things of earth have grown strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. As that old hymn we used to sing said, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, As you begin to understand this incredible doctrine of the fullness of Jesus Christ, of the worthiness of Jesus Christ, everything changes. Everything changes. You no longer, as it says again in the book of Ephesians, Now this I say and declare in the Lord, you are no longer to walk as either Gentiles walk in the nonsense of their minds, having been darkened in the understanding, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance existing in them because of the hardness of their heart, who having ceased from feeling shame, gave themselves over to immortality Immorality, for the practice of every impurity in greed for more. No. We want the truth as it is in Jesus. We don't want this world. We revile it. We renounce the world, the flesh, and the devil. <laughs> See, this is the human condition of utter wickedness and death. But Jesus died to death so that we can live and walk in resurrection power filled with intimacy with the Lord Jesus. Now there was a fourth doctrine that they taught this fourth doctrine was the essential equality of the laity and the clergy. You see, when you have utterly renounced yourself and your interests, when you have been drawn by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit and he has brought you into complete intimacy with Jesus and you have begun to understand that Jesus is enough for your heart, then you want to take full responsibility for the work of the gospel. The lay people and the clergy simply have some differing functions in the body of Christ. But essentially their job is the same, to feast to feast on the broken body of Jesus, to drink his blood, to be filled to the utter fullness of the Holy Spirit, To no longer walk in the wickedness of this world, but to renounce it. To be given wholly and completely for the salvation of other men and women who have not come to understand yet these glorious truths that I have just laid out for you. It's not a matter of asking a person, will you receive Jesus? That's foolishness. They need to understand that Jesus is not receiving them, and they are hell-bound. Jesus is not accepting them because of their wickedness. And if they wish to enter into the presence of Jesus, they are going to have to renounce themselves. They're going to have to go to the bottom of the barrel. They're going to have to have the wickedness of their heart fully exposed by the law. Otherwise, you have a sentimental Christian who never comes to terms with the depth of his iniquity. It's never exposed. And so you have men and women who come into church, they float in late, they take their seats, they kick a little bit of money into the offering plate. They listen to the sermon. They laugh at the jokes. They enjoy the entertainment. They hook up for dinner afterwards, and they go about their lives. Oh, they may change a few things in their lives. They may stop smoking. They may stop being uh, so angry. They might They might change how they function with people. Christianity is a wonderful self-improvement tool. That's not salvation. The Christian church can be a wonderful escalator to take a poor person and teach them how to become rich. Lots of pastors just teach strategy skills for getting rich, others just teach the church traditions, the rituals. But there's no Christ in them. Following, religiously following the church calendar as though that's somehow sacred. The church calendar is not sacred. Jesus is sacred. Jesus is sacred. So we have a cheap, dumbed down, Entertainment, filled church, worldly, worldly music. I shudder when I hear some of the music that is played called Christian. WGTS 91.9 was a radio station that I started teaching on when I was in college. That, that was my first exposure to, to Christian radio. And I would do a Friday evening program, a weekly. That's where I began to learn the power of of the radio. You never knew who was listening. I just saw a car with a bumper sticker that said 91.9, so I, I punched it in on my radio just to see what they were doing these days. And I have to tell you, I was... I was chagrined, I was grieved it was just worldly music with sentimental slop so called modern Christian music, no depth cheap my heart was grieved I know some people who constantly, on their earphones, are listening to this so-called Christian radio. This wicked worldly music, sentimental, no depth, no, no cutting edge, no conviction of sin, just floating. Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream, merrily, 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 life is but a dream they don't know that river ends up in hell this is the this is the desperate place the christian church finds itself in today and the laity and the clergy are both responsible we are responsible before god to begin to understand what it means to be a Christian and renounce ourselves. I want to read for you something this wonderful man Gerhard wrote. Let me read this. My Jesus, I own myself to be thine, my only Savior and Bridegroom. Christ Jesus, I am thine wholly and eternally. From this evening onward, he writes in his journal, I renounce from my heart all right and authority that Satan unrighteously gave me over myself. From this evening The evening on which thou, my bridegroom, through thy precious blood didst purchase me for thyself, agonizing even unto death, praying till thy sweat was as if it were blood falling to the ground, that I might be thy treasure and thy bride. Thou hast burst the gates of hell and opened to me the loving heart of the Father. From this evening onward my heart and all my love are offered up to thee in eternal thankfulness. From this evening to all eternity, thy will, not mine, be done. Command and rule and reign in me. I yield myself up without reserve and I promise that with thy help and power, rather to give up the last drop of this my blood than knowingly and willingly in my heart or in my life, be untrue or disobedient to thee. Behold, thou hast me wholly and completely sweet friend of my soul. Thou hast the love of my heart for thyself and for none other. The Spirit be my keeper, thy death and rock of my assurance. Yes, amen. May the Spirit seal that which is written in the simplicity of my heart. Gerhard Thurston Seventeen twenty four. I wonder today. First, do you know what the ardent love of your heart is? Is the ardent love of your heart? retirement and repose, to be in the presence of Jesus? Or is the ardent love of your heart to be amongst those of the world? Is there today, my brother, my sister, awakening in your heart a hunger, for the food of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am devoting myself day and night in prayer and supplication and in the preaching of the word to attempt by the power of the Spirit to awaken a hunger in your heart that will not allow you to be satisfied with the low living of our culture. You are going to have to spend some time alone. You're going to have to pull back from the midst of the crowd and the tumult. You're going to have to take time to be alone with our Lord Jesus. You are never going to enter into the sweetness of Jesus untroubled, in perfect rest until you allow yourself isolation time with him and with the scriptures. You must expect nothing from yourself but everything from the goodness of God. It is near you be afraid when you are known and praised but on the contrary rejoice when you are forgotten and despised for by this the road to much danger and distraction is blocked up and you will gain time and opportunity To spend time with Jesus. We are called upon to depart from ourselves. In order to enter into him. This exit and entrance is the basis and most essential act of godliness. Because by it we restore to God what is his. And I mean by that we give him ourselves. Thoroughly, wholly, irrevocably. If this departure from yourself does not take place, you cannot enter into Jesus Christ. Any godliness that you may have Is of little worth and is only a shadow without the substance, unless you depart from yourself and enter into Jesus Christ. It takes time to be holy, it takes time and effort. To remain holy, a wise use of your time is required, a self denial that you could follow after Jesus. Let me read another portion from Gerhard's diary. If others follow their sensual appetites and spend and misspend their valuable time in the adorning and beauty of their dress and their homes and their furniture and apply so much valuable attention to the ease and enjoyment of their vile bodies, it is for us to show that we are not sensual or animal, but spiritual men. We do not seek to lie here upon roses at ease, when our head and forerunner was born in a wretched stable and manger, and died upon the cross wearing a crown of thorns. If we see others turning outward into the senses, and by trifling and unnecessary hearing, Seeing, speaking, thinking, open their hearts as if it were to the creature. Let our hearts be as an enclosed garden and a sealed fountain to all created objects and solely open to the beloved of our souls. We must wait day and night at the posts of his doors as a spiritual priesthood. And therefore we are under obligation because we believe the Lord to be present in the temple of our hearts. How little do we remain at home to converse with God and ourselves and forsaking everything else make this our soul and only constant and chief employment. It would sound strange to me and to you to be told avoid unnecessary conversation with men of this world lest time be stolen from you and lest you yourselves be polluted and carried away by the darkness. The most dangerous kind of men today are men and women who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ but are simply unwilling to renounce themselves, and they find a place of power and recognition in the church, they exercise their authority over others, their hail fellow well met. There's never a serious confrontation of darkness. These are the most dangerous people you can associate with. Are you one of them? Are you one of them? Are you willing to renounce yourself today? To completely give yourself up to seek after Jesus? To take time apart from all of the busyness of this world to recognize that it is not what counts, that what counts is eternity. And the only way you're going to enter into eternity is to enter now into Jesus Christ. And you're going to listen now to the calling of the Holy Spirit as he instructs your heart. Well, we're out of time for today. I'm Ray Greenlee. I pastor the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. I'd love to hear from you. Our address is the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, two. I invite you to go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com. Almighty God, I plead your mercy over my brothers and sisters. I plead the work of the Holy Spirit, and I trust you for the coming revival thank you, Jesus, I pray in your holy name. Amen. God bless you, my brother, my sister. Let's seek Jesus together. He is everything to our hearts. Get right with him. Renounce yourself. I'll talk to you soon. Are you thinking of...